space is now open for business. Take me Welcome to the fifth episode of Space Ventures Radio, the podcast that takes a close look at the products, teams, and business models behind today's most exciting space ventures. My name is Raleigh Werner, and I'll be your host, and I've got a good one for you today, Leo Sat out of Washington, D.C. They're trying to make data transmission faster, more secure, and more powerful than ever, and they've got a plan to do it. It's going to cost a lot of money, it's going to take a lot of work, but let's dive in with a new format this week to Space Ventures Radio. Here we go. All right, let's talk about episode breakdown here. Based on some great feedback I've gotten and after doing some research, I'm going to be using a new format, adding some additional focus and a concrete structure to the business model section of the show. I'm going to be using a tool called a business model canvas to help guide and visualize the conversation around Leosat. So if you'd like to, you can follow along with the slides accompanying this section of the show. The relevant links are in the show notes. And now the business model section is broken down into nine subsections, which I'm going to explain in a moment. And after that, I'm going to talk briefly about Leosat's management team, its roadmap, and then conclude with some key performance indicators to watch in the coming months. All right, let's do it. All right, so a business model canvas is essentially a tool for visualizing the nine key components of a company's business model. And it was created by a Swiss strategy and operations academic turned entrepreneur named Alex Osterwalder. Now, the primary benefit of the business model canvas is its ability to get everyone on the same page, right? Because trying to capture a business model in words alone, whether spoken or written, is actually really difficult. So the canvas offers a single interconnected architecture with which a business model can be seen and evaluated by a single audience. So for this show, the reason I want to focus on these companies' business models is because it's almost a given that the products and services they're making are exceptional. And an excellent quote from Alex Osterwalder is that great products only give companies the right to compete for customers. They don't guarantee a company's success because consumers today actually expect excellent products, thanks to companies like Apple with the iPhone or Uber just tapping a button to have a car show up at your door. So this expectation of superb products, services, and experiences necessitates that innovative companies focus beyond just developing their products to actually focusing on how they'll enter and win the market in the long term. And that's where the business model canvas can really help. So let's see what the canvas for Leosat might look like based on what we know. All right, I'm going to start by quickly describing how the business model canvas is structured. So again, it's split into nine distinct sections, each representing a critical element in the business model. And we're going to start right here in the middle with the value propositions, which are basically the benefits that customers can expect from the products and services that Leosat is providing in this case. Then we're going to detail who the customer segments are. That's the box on the far right. 
Then we're going to look at what kinds of relationships those customers are going to expect to have with LeoSat. After that, we're going to explore what channels LeoSat can use to reach those customer segments. And finally, for this first part of the business model canvas, we're going to look at the revenue streams that come from those customers. And the reason I call it the first part is because everything on the right side, those five sections, are referred to as the front stage of the business model canvas, which is essentially everything that the customer and the public can see about the company. Then we're going to switch over to the left side of the canvas, which is everything that happens backstage to enable that exchange of value to happen on the right side. We're going to start the backstage section with the key activities that LeoSat will need to perform. And then we're going to explore the key resources that the company will need to perform those activities. We're going to look at what key partners the company is going to need to make the model work. And finally, to wrap up the business model canvas, we're going to identify what the cost structure of the company is. You know, how will LeoSat spend money to make this model work? And that is the architecture of the business model canvas. So without further ado, let's jump in. And let's start with the prerequisite for designing any business model, which is having a great product. So LeoSat offers high-speed encrypted data transmission services, facilitated by a constellation of 108 satellites in low Earth orbit that use a new laser link technology to quickly and securely relay large quantities of data. So clearly, this company is building a great product, one that requires cutting-edge technology built by some of the brightest aerospace and information technology engineers. From designing the satellites and the software to managing the constellation in orbit, LeoSat has definitely done the homework of designing a great product. Now we're going to discuss the business model, starting with what value propositions this product offers, and then flowing into the other eight components of the model. So... The first value proposition is reduced latency, latency being the time it takes a signal to transmit from its origin to its destination, which essentially means faster data transmission. A quote from a recent article in the Wall Street Journal about LeoSat says, quote, LeoSat is promising its link will send data from New York to Tokyo within less than 130 milliseconds, almost half the 250 milliseconds it said it would take using current terrestrial fiber links. The second value proposition is high bandwidth, bandwidth being the amount of data that can be carried from one point to another in a given time period. LeoSat's technology will be able to accommodate large data transfers. And the third value proposition is encryption. All transmissions that LeoSat facilitates will be encrypted, offering complete security of the data being sent and received. Now let's talk about customer segments. The primary customer segment that LeoSat will target is financial services institutions. For high-frequency traders, speed is critical. In fact, many traders are using algorithms to programmatically execute trades based on real-time data. So when computer programs are competing with each other, nanoseconds actually make an enormous difference. And it looks like, according to LeoSat, that they'd landed their first customer in that industry. Another customer segment LeoSat could target is enterprise-level corporations, and oil and gas companies make a lot of sense in this category since they have need to transmit lots of data quickly and securely. And of course, there's also the military and other governmental entities that have lots of national security-grade information to send. That could be another customer segment that LeoSat targets. So what kinds of relationships will be required to make sure these customers are interested beyond the product itself? 
Well, first and foremost, privacy. Leosat needs to demonstrate that even though they are transmitting the data, they themselves have no way to access it. Right, Because if they could somehow decrypt the messages, that would make any vulnerabilities in their network security risks for their customers. A second critical customer relationship is going to be guaranteeing network capacity and uptime, especially for financial services institutions, again, where nanoseconds can mean millions of dollars. Any dip in network performance could be incredibly costly. Without some kind of guarantee that Leosat's network has redundancies in place in case of a satellite or equipment failure, customers likely won't feel comfortable committing to this new technology. All right, let's talk channels. How is Leosat going to access its target customer segments? For financial institutions and enterprise-level corporations, it's likely Leosat will just hire a sales staff to pitch customers on their product. For winning government contracts, Leosat will need to plug into the various government agencies' procurement processes and navigate the bidding process, which is a whole thing in and of itself. It's possible Leosat will look into government grant opportunities as well as a channel in an effort to gain government partners as well as some capital to develop their technologies. So how will Leosat make money? Let's talk about revenue streams. The obvious approach would be to charge customers to transmit data. Now, whether they do that by volume of data or with a tiered pricing approach remains to be seen, but they'll definitely want to experiment with different pricing models to find what works best for different customer segments. For instance, high-volume traders may use the network far more frequently than other customer segments, but transmit less data. So I don't imagine a one-size-fits-all pricing model will work for every segment. Now, no matter which segment they target, compared to standard data transmission services, Leosat is offering a premium product here. Customers will definitely need to pay for ultra-fast, high-capacity, 100% secure transmissions. And another revenue stream, albeit a small one, could be those government grants. Considering the sophistication of technology Leosat is developing, I'm sure they could qualify for SBIR, STTR, Department of Defense, or DARPA grants. So there you have it. That's the right side of the business model canvas. Let's take a look at what the company will need to do behind the scenes to make this model work, starting with what key activities Leosat will need to perform. All right, so the obvious one, right, a primary activity is going to be data transmission. Whatever the specifics are behind their laser link technology needs to successfully transmit data from A to B quickly. 100% uptime will be critical as well. Making sure that their telecoms infrastructure is fail safe is going to be critical to keeping their customers. Next is going to be data encryption and security as another key activity to deliver on their value propositions and customer relationship requirements. And finally, research and development is going to be a big activity for Leosat, not only to develop the initial product and infrastructure, but to continue innovating to make sure that they remain the fastest, the most secure, and the highest capacity data service. Right, if they don't invest in upgrading their tech regularly, it leaves the door open for both space-based and Earth-based infrastructure to surpass their capabilities. Again, that wouldn't necessarily take them out of the running in the market, but it would hurt their ability to compete. Now let's explore the key resources Leosat's going to need to support these activities. The first key resource is the satellite constellation itself. It's one of two key pieces of infrastructure to support their network. The second piece 
is going to be the ground stations on Earth that receive the downlink from the satellites and relay the data to the recipient. Now, of course, that's an assumption based on current technology. It's possible that whatever technology LeoSat is cooking up could bypass the need for ground stations with some novel direct transmission architecture. In theory, that would assist with reducing latency. Now, a more straightforward key resource, which is also an assumption, would be obtaining radio frequency licenses from the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. And the final key resource that Leosat will need is human capital. This is a big one for the company. If they're going to build the fastest, the most powerful, the most secure data network in the world, they're going to need a team of the best and the brightest minds to do so. Now let's talk partners, and there are three major partnerships that Leosat will need. First and foremost, investors. In the Wall Street Journal interview I mentioned earlier, Leosat said it's in talks with seven potential strategic investors from the satellite services sector to raise an initial $100 million to begin detailed design of its satellites. So just to design the satellites it needs, Leosat claims it's going to need $100 million. That's a lot of upfront capital for a product that's not slated to go live until 2020. Second, they're going to need a satellite manufacturer. Leosat's core competencies will be in telecoms and data encryption, so trying to build these satellites in-house just wouldn't make any sense. Now, they're reported to have already contracted with Thales Alenia Space to build the entire 108-satellite constellation. That's a nice chunk of business for Thales. And finally, Leosat is going to need a launch services provider or multiple LSPs to get their constellation up and online on schedule. Now, the company is considering using SpaceX's Falcon 9 and at least one other rocket provider, and the fact that they're considering SpaceX may indicate that Leosat's satellites are too large for the new wave of dedicated small satellite launch providers like Rocket Lab and Firefly Space, which can accommodate payloads between 100 and 400 kilograms. If that's the case, and again, that's an assumption, a constellation of over 100 satellites, each weighing over 500 kilograms, is going to cost a lot of money to make. As such, Leosat is going to have to show some aggressive revenue targets after 2020 to attract the investment it's going to need to get its infrastructure up and running, and getting more customer wins like the one it said it got in the Wall Street Journal article is going to be critical. That's going to be one of their big key performance indicators in the months and years ahead. And closing out the business model canvas, we've got the cost structure, and as I just mentioned, the satellites themselves will be a major cost for Leosat. Now, Constellation setup as well, literally launching the satellites into space, is also going to be a cost factor. Constellation maintenance and upgrades is going to be essential to stay competitive. That's related to the R&D key activity I mentioned earlier. If the market opportunity is as big as Leosat thinks it is, there's absolutely going to be some competitive echo, which means that new and better technology will appear. As such, Leosat will have to add new satellites with upgraded capabilities to make sure their network is at least at performance parity with the latest technologies. Again, I assume FCC frequency licensing will be necessary for Leosat, but that's a fairly rudimentary activity and a small addition to the cost structure, especially in the perspective of their entire cost outlay. And finally, if indeed Leosat does use ground stations to relay downlink data to end users, there will be a cost commensurate to the density and sophistication of the ground stations that they build. 
So there you have it. From the limited information we have about Leosat so far, this canvas is an extrapolation of a likely business model that Leosat could pursue. And again, pursue in this context means talk to potential customers, get feedback, design prototypes, and iterate upon them. There's no such thing as a fully baked business model that's perfect right out of the gates. All right, now I want to talk about the market opportunity, and this is a juicy one. Just considering the amount of cost that's going to go into creating this company and the infrastructure needed. Right, so the Wall Street Journal reported in that article that Leosat is betting around $3.5 billion on their business. Now, there was no definition of what betting that amount of money means, uh, but I assume that's a guess at the amount of capital that Leosat is going to need to spend to get up and running, including personnel costs. Assuming that figure is correct and that Leosat will pursue venture capital to fund its endeavor, Leosat's investors will want to see evidence of at least a 10x return possible on their investment. That means the market opportunity that Leosat is chasing must be at a bare minimum at least $35 billion, but is likely five to seven times that size since Leosat certainly won't project winning 100% market share. So now we're talking about you know 150 to uh, $250 billion market. That's some pretty big stuff there. All right, I'm going to talk quickly about the team here. So definitely, Leosat was founded by two guys with relevant experience. Cliff Anders and Phil Marler are two former Schlumberger executives with direct experience on the challenges of business data transportation. Schlumberger is a major oil and gas company. And in the oil and gas industry, it looks like two big incumbents, Inmarsat PLC and Viasat, are also courting potential customers there. So the competition in this market may have already begun. And this is wildly speculative here, but a potential competitor down the road could be Odyssey Space, who's essentially acting as an internet service provider in space, creating a network of relay satellites to help companies communicate with their spacecraft anytime. So this company still has a lot of work to do. They're a startup uh, to get their infrastructure set up. But if and when they do and they see that Leosat is making or is poised to make a lot of money in the encrypted high-speed data transmission market, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Odyssey could explore leveraging and upgrading its network to tap into this market. Again, wildly speculative, just a possibility. All right, let's talk about Roadmap. On their website, Leosat lists three major milestones ahead. In 2018, the company is aiming to launch two, quote, early birds, offering gigabyte store and forward services. So basically, they want to get a couple of test models into orbit and see how the technology performs. In 2019, Leosat plans to start the launch of its constellation, which begins their offering of real-time point-to-point coverage. And by 2020, full worldwide service will be available with the full constellation of 108 satellites live and operational. And to wrap up the episode here, I'm going to talk about what KPIs, key performance indicators, will help inform how well the management is de-risking the company for their investors. These will definitely be the metrics to watch for Leosat in the months and years ahead to see how likely it is that they're going to be able to achieve this goal of providing the fastest, the most secure, and the highest capacity network in the world. So the first major KPI is going to be capital raised. Again, the estimate of the total capital that Leosat is going to need is around $3.5 billion. That's a lot of money, so their ability to fundraise is a key activity. 
And again, they've reported that they're in talks with seven potential strategic investors from the satellite services industry. And the fact that they're targeting this sector for investment is actually really smart. Going to VCs or institutional investors right now wouldn't make much sense at all. They'd spend a lot of time pitching investors who see the investment as way too risky because the technology is unproven, the infrastructure is not there. They've got a lot of road left to travel before they can really go to the table and talk with VCs. So satellite services companies, however, uh, would essentially be investing to own access to whatever IP is developed by the company. So even if Leosat doesn't go the distance as a company, their strategic investors in this sector would still be able to reap the rewards of their R&D. So I like that plan a lot in terms of where they're getting this initial capital. The second KPI is going to be customer wins. At this stage, these essentially act as pre-orders since the service won't be up and running until 2020. Uh, And then ability to execute on their 2018 timeline is going to be the final KPI. Right, they're going to launch those two early birds, and if they encounter delays at this first stage, launching just two simpler versions of their final tech, it could bode ill for their ability to meet their 2020 target of launching all the 108 satellites in their constellation. Uh, and really, for something with this amount of capital required, you know, further delays on when return could come back could spook investors, uh, which hurts their first KPI, and then everything goes to hell. But honestly, it's early days for this company, and based on the size of the market and the high-value applications of the technology they'll be creating, I'm sure they'll be able to get most, if not all, of the initial $100 million they're looking for. If and when that happens, Leosat may present less like an independent company and more like a joint venture between a consortium of established satellite services companies investing into research for a new potential lucrative technology. As such, I'm inclined to say right now that there's not a lot to go on about the prospects of the business in the long term, but at this point, they're taking the right measures to fund, design, build, and prove their technology. I think they've got the right investment strategy, they've got a good roadmap, and they've obviously got a good team, especially the founders with the relevant experience, uh, to make this work. And if they can color in some of those gray areas in the current business model canvas along the way, for instance, figuring out the right pricing models for various customer segments, then we may just have the trappings of a truly disruptive company in a huge market. So it'll definitely be exciting to see what Leosat can do in the coming years. All right, that's it for this episode of Space Ventures Radio, the podcast that digs deep into new space ventures. I'm Raleigh Werner, and it's been awesome sharing this exciting company, Leosat, with you. You can stay updated on the latest with Space Ventures Radio on Twitter. The new handle is at New Space Radio. Thanks for listening, and have an awesome day. Take